Hey folks, welcome to the State Tax Show. This is Matt Hunsaker. I've got a special treat for you this week. We visit with Nancy Prosser and Jenny Burleson in episode two of our series on women in state tax. If you haven't had a chance, go check out part one of our series, Highlighting Women in State Tax, with Kate Pascuzzi and Karen DiNuzzo-Wright. For this second installment, we are going to visit with two women who have extraordinary backgrounds in pretty much all facets of government service. If you are interested in that career path, today's show is definitely for you. Nancy Prosser is general counsel for the Multi-State Tax Commission in Washington, D.C., and Jenny Burleson is an attorney at the Texas Controller of Public Accounts. Here is our discussion. Hi, Nancy and Jenny. Thanks for joining the show today. Good morning. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Great to be with you. Well, this is really exciting. You two both have some excellent government credentials. And so I think that our listeners are going to be very excited to uh, hear your unique perspective. So before we do that, though, let's learn a little bit about you. Jenny, can you uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you went to school? Yes, I am originally from Colorado, but I grew up in West Texas. I went to undergrad at Texas Tech University and went to law school at South Texas College of Law in Houston. And how did you end up from Colorado to Texas? I, I'm, I'm guessing that's something to do with energy. <laughs> no. Uh, my dad was a baseball coach, actually, and so we went from one junior college to the next. I was way off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know that about you, Jenny. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. How about you, Nancy? Where, where are you from, and, and where did you go to school at? So I was born and raised in Indiana, so I'm a Hoosier by birth, uh, just grew up in a small Midwest town. Uh, then I ended up going to an even smaller town in North Carolina to a small private liberal arts college for undergraduate school. I majored in psychology, and uh, then I came to Texas, and uh, the truth be told, I followed a man to Texas. Um, I had started, uh, did an internship uh, while I was in undergraduate school, met a really nice guy, not the guy that I married, but a really great guy, and uh, he was already working, so I followed him to the Austin area. And uh, once I started working, I pretty quickly decided to go back to school. I did a master's in business administration on a part-time basis. And while I was doing that, then I decided I might want to go to law school. And I was accepted at the University of Texas in Austin. And so that's where I got my law degree. Wow, you guys have all kinds of different uh, collegiate allegiances out there. I'm not sure how you keep them all straight. It's easy for me because South Texas College of Law has no sports, no anything else. It's just the law school. So I support Texas Tech. <laughs> there you go. Jenny, I have to ask you, can you identify the point in your life where you decided that you were interested in tax? I don't think there was one point. I think I, I went to law school thinking because I had always wanted to be a lawyer. And when I got to law school, I, I kind of had the 
opposite effect. And I was very unsure and wanted to quit many times throughout law school and was not that excited about being an attorney, to be honest with you, after that. And so I started working at a small litigation firm here in Austin. Their focus was predominantly in like medical malpractice with they represented long-term care facilities. And so I did that, but they had lost most of their business because of tort reform. So they kind of switched their business model into administrative law. And that was my real entrance into this from the administrative law um, avenue. And that got me the job at the comptroller's office. And when I started in the administrative hearing section, I think it was at that point when I was like, oh, this is this tax stuff is pretty fun. There's so many different issues that you look at, so many different companies. And I think when I really felt solidified in the areas, when you start making those tax jokes and you start thinking things like that are funny and (laughs) normally beforehand, I probably would have thought it was totally nerdy or geeky, but I I was participating in it. So I thought, I think that's when I knew I was, I was in this for the long haul. So you spent a few years uh, kind of, I guess, across the table from me and some of the other practitioners in, in Texas as a hearings attorney at the, the hearing section of the controller's office. But then you made an interesting switch. You want to tell us about that? Well, I went from there to contracts because I thought I really wanted to be a transactional and contract lawyer and that did not work out very well. Uh, But luckily I was within the agency. So then I um, was asked to um, join the policy group uh, where I stayed for for quite a few years there. What did you enjoy more? And you don't have to you don't have to answer this uh, if you don't want to. But what do you, what have you found more enjoyable working on the policy side or on more of the uh, administrative litigation type side? I would say definitely the policy side, for sure. Yeah, you get you get you get to basically set the what I like about it is you're the one that's deciding it. You're looking at all avenues when you're on the litigation side, or when I was an administrative law judge, you're, you're stuck with what's in front of you and deciding what that is. And while your mind may go to like, why did they do this? Or what was the basis for this? That, that for those purposes is irrelevant. And, and so it's, it's fun to be in policy, to be on the decision-making and at the beginning stages of it and, and actually doing something that, that can change things. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience as an administrative law judge? I, I find that fascinating. Oh, it was great. And, and it ultimately was, you know, what I thought in my mind was my dream job. And um, so I had the opportunity to go over there and do that. And I, I lasted almost two years and and it was it was a great job. It's it's you're very autonomous. It, it's what you want to do. You you work on your own, but in the same in the same vein, you are completely by yourself, and it's very isolating. And when I had spent so much time at the agency, building friendships within the agency and within people on the outside, and then to have to go over there and basically close yourself off, um, that was hard. And and so that was ultimately, you know, one of the reasons why I went back to the agency to stop that from having to be an issue, I guess. Oh, I completely understand. Nancy, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your time at the controller's office? Sure, I'd be, be happy to do that. 
Well, may, maybe I should back up. Is, I was going to say, where, yeah, there's a few other things happen. Is that where your tax life started? Are we jumping the gun? Maybe you can lead up to your time at the controller's office. Yeah, I, I suppose I would back up a little bit there. Um, so, so this November, I will, um, I guess, celebrate 27 years uh, as a tax attorney, and all of that has been as a SALT attorney. And I suppose I got my first taste of SALT, so to speak, uh, while I was still in law school. And I clerked for the attorney general's office in what's called the taxation division. And those are the, are, those are the attorneys that represent the Texas Controller of Public Accounts, which, amongst other things, is the Texas state agency that is the tax administrator. And so um, I, I clerked during law school, and then I moved into an attorney position once I got my bar results. And so for the first six years or so of my career, I was doing uh, state court trial work uh, and appellate work. Um, at that time at the Texas Attorney General's office, if, if you handled the case at the district court level, then you would get to handle the appeal as well. So uh, from a very early stage, I was getting to do appellate work, which was great, great fun. And I had yeah, some absolutely. wonderful role models um, who were just superb you know, attorneys and, and human beings and, and set some really great um, examples for me, both personally and professionally. So, so from the beginning of my career, I was representing the Texas Controller of Public Accounts and Tax Matters. And uh, during that time, I'd gotten married and um, my husband's work presented us with an opportunity to move, move to Europe. And so I was about six years or so in doing all this tax work and uh, tax litigation and such. But because of my husband's work, I asked for a six-month leave of absence so that we could maybe have that adventure together. And, and the response was no. Uh, they did not want to set that type of example. And so um, my choice was, as I've always said, uh, I could stay in, in Austin with the dog and the cat and do tax cases, <laughs> or we could all go to the Netherlands together. And so um, that sounds like a tough decision. <laughs> yeah, it seems like yeah. a no brainer there. <laughs> I was going to say that was hardly a, a, a tough call. And it was very quickly made that uh, off we would go to, to the Netherlands. So, so that's what I did. And um, so I stepped away from working during that time. And in the end, we were there for just about six months or so. Um, and I've always said during that time, my occupation was house frau and travel agent because we did get to do some traveling uh, uh, as well as while my husband was working. But before we returned to the States, I had had a contact from somebody who had been in the controller's office that I had worked with while I was doing tax cases. He had joined the tax practice at Vincent and Elkins in Austin when I you know, returned, that was that was the next step in my career then as I, I joined Vincent & Elkins. And so I was there for four or so years. During those years at Vincent & Elkins, you know, basically pretty much all that work was working on matters relating to the Texas Controller of Public Accounts and, and still dealing with some of the same people I had dealt with before. And I had maintained those relationships with people and really enjoyed them. But when I left the firm... Um, I took a few months and decided I would try and figure out what was the next step in life. And in the end, only a few months went by, but I had an opportunity to join the controller's office. And from what I had done in those prior 10 years, 
that was kind of the one missing piece in my career. I'd represented the controller's office. I had worked with taxpayers you know, before the controller's office. And I had a chance to, do, to go into the tax policy division, which was the same, same division that, that Jenny ended up in uh, in her career. And like Jenny, I really found tax policy to be just a really fun place to work as an attorney. So you're full circle back at the controller's office. Right. And so thus began a uh, 15 plus year relationship that I had with the controller's office. Nancy, I've, I've uh, watched your great work that you've done at the controller's office over you know, the last 15 years or so. Uh, but tell us about the most uh, recent change. Sure. So uh, last year, um, at that point in my career, having gone from a frontline policy analyst at the controller's office and moving through a variety of positions, I just had a lot of great opportunities. And I guess that's one of the things I want to promote about public service. But uh, as we're having this discussion today, but I had a lot of great opportunities to to be in different roles within the agency. And my, as of last year, I was a general counsel for the controller's office, which was a real honor and um, something that was nothing I ever envisioned when I started my career there all those many years ago. But one of the things I had done during the years I worked for the the controller's office was be involved with an organization called the Multi-State Tax Commission. And the MTC is an intergovernmental state agency whose members are the departments of revenue throughout the country. And Texas is what they call a compact member because it is one of the states that actually incorporated and, and, and adopted the multi-state tax compact into its actual state laws. So for all you tax nerds out there, if you look at chapter 141 of the Texas tax code, you will find the multi-state tax compact. So early in my career with the agency, I started attending these meetings of the multi-state tax commission, which was really became a, a really wonderful part of my career because of all the people I got to meet throughout the country, at other departments of revenue, and uh, the times that I got to sit at the table on behalf of the controller at uh, these MTC meetings where the actual the other people sitting at the table with me very frequently were the heads of their departments of revenue. So it was another really wonderful opportunity for me to see some terrific role models and um, see how other attorneys handled themselves personally and professionally. Yeah, it sounds like a great group of people to get to know. Absolutely. And it was a wonderful experience just in terms of being aware of these national SALT issues and multi-state issues that that percolate out there. And so it was a really great part of my my work at the, at the agency. But uh, last fall, the MTC indicated that they were going to be looking for a new general counsel. And so... Um, it, you know, after all the years of the controller's office, which is where I thought that I would probably end my career, you know, this door opened and I just felt like this was something that I needed to throw my hat in the ring. And and if I didn't apply for it, I would never forgive myself, uh, regardless yeah. of what happened. But it was just one of those times yet again, as I'd seen throughout so much of my career, where here was an opportunity um, and I didn't 
didn't see it coming, but you know the timing seemed right on a lot of fronts, and so uh, I was very fortunate to to get that opportunity. So as of June of of this year, here in 2020, I'm now general counsel at the Multi-State Tax Commission, and uh, I work with a team of seven. I'm one of seven attorneys uh, that um, work on all these multi-state tax issues with different states and. It's just a, uh, it's a, another just really interesting part of my career and something that, that you know, as we talk about public service, uh, want to make sure that people know there are these, these options and opportunities that, that can really make for a very interesting career. Well, I think, that's the, I think that's the one thing with both Nancy and I is like working with the agency there are just, that's the one thing that I, I hope that we get across is that there are just so many different opportunities that come when you're here, whether it be, you know, the, the hearings attorney, if you're interested in, you know, litigation light, there's that option. If you're interested in the policy making, there's many options there. If you're interested in legislative issues, there's plenty of people that have started it and, you know, in either in the hearing section or in policy that have made the jump to the legislative side of things and, you know, or to Nancy in, in taking, at the MTC sort of things or lobbyists. I mean, there's just so many options and opportunities that you have. And as well, when you're in them, that's what's so great about SALT is that it's a small group. And so if you're able to, you know, get a good reputation and meet people and, and network, there's just so many opportunities that are out there that you never, you probably never would have thought of when you started. Yeah. That's one thing as a, private practitioner that I'm always a little bit jealous of is just the opportunities that you have to be a little more directly involved in the the policy making and the kind of the you know the, the premier issues of the day uh you know the, there's obviously some room for practitioner involvement in those questions but it certainly is a different flavor when you're in public service you both have had tremendous careers and have seen such a wide variety of aspects of having a SALT career. What advice would you give to women who are just starting out in this particular field? I would say, you know, don't, don't be intimidated. Um, I'll, I'll be honest when I was preparing for this and I was listening to the, um, other podcasts that you did with the women that had, um, that were, you know, of counsel to these large corporations. And when you, you start out and you hear, oh, they went to, you know, their CPAs and they have a business background and they started off at the big accounting firms or, or, or big law firms. And, and you feel like that's the kind of background that, that you need to be successful in tax. And I think that I can, attest to the fact that that's not always, that's not always needed. And, and don't think that you need to have that background because if you're, you know, if you're hungry for it and if you are interested in it, there, there are other avenues that you can take to, to quote unquote, climb the ladder and be successful and, and be provided opportunities um, that you might not think that are out there. And so I would say, you know, don't, just, just don't, don't be scared of that. Um, you can find, you can find your own path. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sometimes we overestimate 
just how far along other people are and underestimate our own abilities. Nancy, what advice would you give to women just starting out in the field? Well, I, I agree with Jenny that, um, you know, I think there's th- this, there's frequently a question out there about whether or not somebody has to have an accounting degree or do they have to get an LLM in tax or, or have some sort of specific tax background. And, and I agree completely. There are people who uh, work in the SALT uh, arena who are superb practitioners and do great work and they don't have, you know, any particular, you know, tax background to start with. Um, if you've got those solid basic skills uh, that you need in terms of research and writing and, you know, just basic good work ethic, um, you know, you, you can do just fine in this this arena. Well, Nancy, that's really disappointing because I went through all the effort to get my CPA and get an LLM. <laughs> now you're telling me I wasted my time. <laughs> well, and, and, and there again, it's like if those things make you happy and you want to do that, by all means, you know, do those things. But but no, it's but it's certainly not um, it's not essential to do that. But um, but like you know, Jenny said too. I think there's there's obviously a lot of different directions you can go with a career in the the salt world. And it is a small community as well that, I mean, I primarily know the Texas salt community, although I have had the opportunity to you know, work with others across the country and have some sense of the national scene. And I think, as Jenny said, it's a smaller community generally, but um, just a very congenial group as well. As a salt attorney, you're dealing with these constitutional issues. Um, you're dealing with statutory interpretation issues. And so, uh, and it's a really interesting perspective on the economy as well. You see the emerging economies and, and how that intersects with, with tax policy and, and how do you answer these questions about what's taxable and what's not. It's really an arena that is really rich with all kinds of different fact patterns and, and things you have to kind of try and understand. So, so, you know, just having a good solid uh, legal mind and um, maybe some curiosity about the world can be a a great set of skills to have when you're a SALT attorney. Yeah. Curiosity goes a long ways. Well, Nancy and Jenny, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. You bring tremendous perspectives that will be very valuable to our listeners, particularly those who are just starting out. So thank you again for joining. Well, you're welcome. And I I would just add, and I think Jenny would probably say it too, you know, if there's anybody out there who's listening that has an interest in this and wants to follow up, be more than happy to talk to people uh, about the possibility of of assault career. Thanks, Nancy. I'll put your contact information in the show notes so that that people can reach out and uh, learn more. But thanks again for joining. I appreciate it, both of you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Just about everything you'd want to know about a career in government service. Stay tuned for part three in this series highlighting women in state tax, which will probably come out sometime in the next month or so. It'll be a good one, I promise. I'll be back next Monday. Until then, have yourselves a great week. 
The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.